Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Standing up for what's right. This is The Roy Green Show. We've got a perspective uh, on my right here that is about cutting and finding what he's calling efficiencies but will amount to cuts that will hurt people. We've got some magical thinking on my left here about how things can just magically happen without actually having the policy that is going to make it work. Well, there she is, the uh, still Premier of Ontario, at least until the uh, 7th of June, Madam Wynne. And she talks as though, she talks a good game. She talks about how her government has been able to create a positive environment and grow the province. Not exactly true. Not quite, Madam Wynne. But once in a while, you have to just investigate. And uh, that's what we're doing here. Now, look, while it has to be said that when neither governing nor the official opposition parties show any positive interest in a key business sector in the province, one of my guests said they treat us like bourgeois sweatshop operators. As the Ontario election campaign moves forward, members of the Ontario Coalition of Manufacturers are asking for a mutually cooperative relationship with political parties, and failure may result in multi-decade companies employing thousands to close shop in Canada and to move to the United States, which comes courting every day. I don't doubt for a second that it's not just Ontario where this is happening. But we're going to talk about the Ontario situation because it's in the middle of an election campaign. Now, let me just read you a couple of lines from my guests' companies, and then I'll talk to them. Um, and and the, uh, the first company that I want to quote about is Automatic Coating Limited, and Jocelyn Bamford is vice president. She's uh, the founder of the coalition. Here's, here's just a few lines about what this company does. At ACL, we provide expert and versatile finishes for a vast assortment of industrial and consumer products, because we're one of the largest and most technologically advanced custom powder, liquid, and blasting job shops in North America, we have the tools to take on just about any powder coating project, large or small, explore the many advantages that make ACL a premium powder coating facility. One of the organizations that has done that and has signed on is the United States Navy. And then we're going to speak with uh, Jim Scott. He's the president of GFX Limited. The company began as a family operation in uh, 1989, now have 30 plants worldwide. And their head office is here in Canada. And just reading from, uh, from Jim's overview, um, launched a manufactured anodized aluminum product line in 1989, 
With this new product line, we were able to land Chrysler USA as a customer in 1991, GM USA in 1993, and Toyota Motor Sales and Lexus in 1999. GFX is now a full-service provider with over a million vehicles a year in North America. We developed a robotic spray on bed liners for, in 2006 and have since launched 12 sites on the grounds or next door to the grounds of all truck assembly plants in North America. We will be located on or near every truck assembly plant in the world within three years. At that point, we will touch more than 1.4 million trucks per year. We employ over 3,400 employees today. 1,200 are residing and working in Ontario. The Ontario government lacks a communication and care has now forced us to consider moving some of our manufacturing operations, which are all Ontario-based, out of the province and to welcoming states. We are continually offered incentives to move to almost every state in the nation. Tax-free holidays of up to seven years, moving expenses, building upgrade costs are just a few of the incentives offered. Jocelyn Bamford, thank you for coming on the program. Well, thank you, Roy, and I'd like to wish all the mothers out there a happy Mother's Day, including my own wonderful mother. I was just about to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. And Jim Scott, good to talk to you, Jim. Uh, thanks for having me. Just terrific, terrific success stories. Both of your companies, both started at the family level. Both of you are world class. Both of you deal with world class and international clients. And the reality is, how does the Ontario government treat you. Jocelyn, you started the coalition. How does the Ontario government treat you and the coalition members who are heart and soul builders of the economy of not only of the province of Ontario, but in fact the whole country? Well, they don't treat us well, and uh, that's disheartening because a lot of us have great innovation. Um, we're good employers um, to our employees. We develop and grow them. Um, help them achieve their full potential, and we look after their families. And uh, we are, the one thing that's really missing, I think, on the landscape of Ontario is a recognition that if, if any hospital, school, or, or a program that's out there offered by the government is really funded, if you go back in the food chain, by private enterprise, because private enterprise gives people jobs, and then they pay taxes, and then you can have these um, social programs. And without private enterprise, there's going to be none of that. And the government continues to treat us poorly. We see politicians um, such as um, Anne Hogarth and Barry stood up there and said, if you can't afford to pay $14, you don't deserve to be in business. Um, we see the Minister of Labor treating us like we are criminals, and we see the uh, Premier saying we're bad actors. And, and nothing could be farther from the truth, um, and, and we need to have good policies that grow and develop businesses in Ontario, not drive them out of the province. Let's talk about this attraction that you have for other jurisdictions. And Jim, you said to me when we spoke earlier in the week, there's literally not a day in the year that goes by, a work day in the year that goes by, where your phone doesn't ring and it's someone from, from an American jurisdiction trying to persuade you and really sweetening the pot very nicely, trying to persuade you to move your entire operation to the United States. And it's not as though you could just go to one state. You have your pick. 
Tell us about that, please. Yeah, no, no question at all, Roy. And, and the you know the thing that makes you crazy as a manufacturer in Ontario is that I've never gotten a phone call from anybody in the government of Ontario. I've tried. I've sent emails. I've I've, I've done everything in my power to have a communication uh, with with them, and, and Miss Wynn has just 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 decided to ignore us. Um, I have in the last week had seven calls, in fact, from various states uh, asking us to consider their their state. Um, for expansion, uh, plant to, you know new plant to builds, we've been given every opportunity for uh, tax-free holidays, and quite frankly, have taken uh, taken them uh, up on their word in many occasions. Um, Salau, Mexico, um, San Antonio, Texas, Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, Louisville, um, K- uh, Kentucky, um, Kansas City. We've we've done all. Uh, programs with them since 2012, and uh, and a lot of those programs are still enjoying today with tax-free holidays, with uh, employment incentives. Uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, gave us a, a, a grant of $792,000 against new hires. Our, um, I guess, our goal that was set for us by uh, by the state of Indiana was we had to employ 82. Uh, employees within the first two years. We're two years and three months in. We have 380 employees employed there. And not only are they helping us with our payroll taxes for the the initial number of employees, but they're helping us with the added almost 200 employees from that point. Um, And it goes on and on. There's just not a day that passes where, you know, and and they'll come and visit me. My headquarters is in Windsor, Ontario, as you know, and and they'll come fly up and talk with us at, at, at a drop of a hat. So, so um, what's the di- well, how, how much of a difference does this make to the success of the company? If you if you compare the relationship that you have or the lack of relationship that exists between your company and the Ontario government with what you get from the American states, what does it do for your company? How quickly can you expand with the kind of response that you have in the United States? And how significantly would you have to contract if you had the same kind of relationship everywhere that exists with Queen's Park? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously within six to seven, eight months, we would, and we've done this since 2012 in in nine sites in the U.S. So we've been up and running in six months. Um, We've had the Chamber of Commerce, the the development uh, commissions in these various states and cities that we've been uh, establishing our facilities, and they've they've helped us. They've brought in architects, they've brought us in designers, they've sat down with construction companies. You know, while we're there in in the room with them, they have been over the top helpful. And and as I said, it carries on to this very day. Um, Looking at you know the incentives, I mean, it's a huge. you, You always have you know costs in setting up a facility it doesn't matter if it's in in Ontario or anywhere else there's all kinds of setup costs so when you can you know move your break even month from you know uh, 10 11 12 months before you you break even to 3 or 4 or 5 months and you're breaking even it's incredibly you know impactful uh, in a positive way on your company so if you if you're looking at a tax incentive to set up and and tax free holidays you're just moving your your break-even point or your month closer to the start of op- of operations, and and obviously that keeps your bankers happy, and then you know it's, it's it's a win for everybody, really. So let me take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll ask Jocelyn and Jim why it is that they keep so much of their operation in Canada. Why do they not just say we're out of here because we're being offered these great opportunities in the United States, so we're going to leave? Why do they stay? Don't go away. He's always up for a good debate. This is the Roy Green Show. 
Send emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com and follow me on Twitter at The Roy Green Show. Um, in about 12 minutes, I'm going to be taking some phone calls from you across the rest of the country. Well, Ontario, too. If you own a business and you are, like my guests, successful, but being largely ignored by the government in your province and perhaps the federal government as well, we know that the federal government last summer decided that uh, small businesses in this country were ripping off the taxpayer, and, and they had to backtrack on that when they... Uh, when they got some return fire from the people of the country. But if you're in the same position and you're, it's possible for you to move, well, I'll ask you to share your story with us. Uh, Jocelyn Banford, Automatic Coating uh, Limited, founder of the coalition, just signed a contract with the United States Navy. You're a very successful company, Jocelyn. Um, the government of Ontario couldn't care less, apparently. You're, to them, you're billionaires abusing the um, the lowest paid people in the province you know that that's what they think of you so why is it that you why is it that you stay what makes you not leave and just go where you know you're going to be appreciated I mean I'm glad you're staying but why don't you go where you're appreciated and where they're going to give you all sorts of opportunity to grow your companies faster you know, it was as a result of some of the bad policies that we're seeing from the current government. So it was, we pay three times the electricity rate that we could in the States. We could move our business and save $22,000 a month. That's over $250,000 a year. And we'd have all of these incentives. They'll give us buildings, you know, 200 square foot buildings with cranes. And originally, you know, when cap-and-trade and Bill 148 came out and, and the costs were just becoming exorbitant, I, I said to my husband, you know what, we should really think of, of moving. And he looked at me and said, do you want to just give up and leave or do you want to stay and fight? And so we decided that we are going to stay and fight, and we're going to fight not only for our company and our employees, but for their kids and for the province, and, and that's what we're doing. Um, we're going to um, bring the citizens of Ontario um, attention to some of these policies and how damaging they are and how they are not leading to growth. They're leading, you know, to for companies to be in very difficult positions where they have to choose between the the survivability of their company and their employees. So it's really it's Sophie's choice and, and it's not Sophie's choice of an external um, um, external making, it's a, it's a choice that the government's policies have put people into. So there's lots of companies in our coalition that were making profit, but because of Bill 148 and because of electricity pricing and cap and trade and the, and the compression of all of that in such a short period of time, where they have long-term contracts that they've signed into, they just don't have the margin to make that work. Mm -hmm. So they're taking companies that were profitable and making them unprofitable, and those companies have no choice but to make decisions. So we're seeing companies move or move growth. So they were going to expand here in the province, but instead they are growing um, external to the province. We're seeing companies that are selling out to large multinationals. So we will have a phenomenon in Ontario that 
Um, companies will be controlled by external forces, and we're seeing companies go bankrupt. And, and this is not a, a sustainable uh, situation to be in this province. We really, the only way to get out of the situation we're in with the debt is to grow our way out. And that means have more jobs and more people paying taxes. And that's the only way we pay down the debt. And the problem with the debt is that if we have, we're paying interest on all this, this debt, we, that's um, money that can't go to schools, hospitals, nurses, and doctors. And uh, Jim, it's not as though this is a pity party you're uh, you're putting on here. Then when talking to the program, this is economically significant, really significant to the province because we're talking about all sorts of manufacturing companies in in Ontario that have that are successful here and ex- have uh, su- success tentacles across the country and and across North America. And you're also very philanthropically involved with your communities. Talk about that a little bit. If you we have about two minutes uh, about the philanthropic aspect of your company, Jim? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, we, we consider ourselves very blessed, and it's, it's, I think, our, you know, responsibility to try to help those that uh, need a little push here and there, and so we have been extremely involved in, in all kinds of philanthropic uh, things, not only in Ontario, but throughout all, all of our plants in the United States and in Mexico. Um, we run an orphanage in, in Haiti of almost 900 children, and, and I can tell you I was at a, a lunch this past week with the, the two CEOs of our two hospitals in Windsor, and uh, we've got a multi, uh, a big site being built in, in Windsor over the course of the next seven years um, because our, our hospitals are, are both outdated, and their biggest concern is that the money that used to flow into their uh, organizations and, and uh you know, for their building funds and things like that, are drying up because there's not a lot of money left. When you look at uh, the, the, the wage increase, you look at the, the 10 uh, emergency days, two of them which are paid now as of January 1st. Mm-hmm. So money is, is harder to come by. And, and so it's not only impacting businesses in Ontario, but it's, but it's impacting tens of thousands of organizations okay. that are doing great work. Well, I thank you both for joining us and giving us an idea and a sense of what's happening to you and what what was going on, certainly in the province of Ontario, and how little in the way of cooperation and appreciation there exists from the government. And uh, if without your companies, this province and this country would be a lot worse off. Jocelyn Banford, Automatic Coding Limited, Jim Scott, President of GFX Limited. Thanks very much. Thank you. My number is 800-263-2428, 1-800-263-2428. Wherever you are in Canada, if you have a business and you're being enticed to go to the United States, tell us about it. Are you receiving calls from the Americans and they're inviting you to move your business to the U.S.? Or if you're running a business in somewhere in, in this country, you're listening to this program now, and your provincial government is not doing anything to help you, or the federal government isn't doing anything to help you, they're doing exactly the opposite, 1-800-263-2428. Give me a call. He may be opinionated, but he never jumps to conclusions. This is The Roy Green Show. Do you uh, own and operate a business in, uh, in Canada, anywhere in the country? Do you own and operate a business? 
and employ people. How much in the way of support do you get from the provincial government and the province you're in or the federal government? You heard my two guests from Ontario say there's nothing at all. There was nothing in the way of nothing in the way of support from Ontario to them. Nothing. In fact, they were treated with a significant amount of disrespect. Meanwhile, every day the phone rings from the United States, from a jurisdiction in the U.S., offering them the opportunity to move there. Move everything here and we will give you tax-free opportunities for five or seven years. You'll pay no taxes. We'll build your infrastructure. We'll take care of things for you. Just move here and employ people here. Employ our people. That's all you have to do. Heard Mr. Scott say that he, he was expected to hire 82 people. Well, there are over 300 now in Indiana. So if you own a company and you're receiving nothing in the way of support from your provincial or federal government, 1-800-263-2428 is, I'd like to talk to you. We have um, maybe 10, 12 minutes. If you're in the same situation as my guests were, where you have the chance, you have the opportunity to get out, to leave, to go to the United States or elsewhere, are you seriously considering it? Because I know people who have and own businesses, successful businesses, and they tell me, Roy, I'm on the edge. Or I've already moved some of my operation offshore simply because I can't afford to do business here. I can't afford the regulations. I can't afford the taxes. And I know there's a sense that you know the, the argument is made by uh, governments that it's the rich business people, the people who have their fancy yachts and private islands and house beautiful homes, and they just they're just ripping off the poor hardworking staff. No, they're not. Entrepreneurs are people who put their own money into a business. They build it up. Quite often they'll take most of their profits and they'll feed it right back into their business. And they hire more people and they grow. And they grow in spite of government and not because of government. If you owned a company in Canada and you were making, just getting by, just getting by, and you went to your government and you asked for help. Look, I, I, I'm building this. I'm paying taxes. I've got employees. I need some help. And they tell you to get lost. And then the phone rings and it's someone from South Carolina or Florida or New York. And they say, move here. If you'll move your company here, we will give you seven years of no taxes. We'll build you and your family a home. We will build your infrastructure. We'll build your factory. We'll build your warehouse. All you have to do is provide employment for X number of our people over a period of time. Dell is in Calgary. Hi, Dell. Thank you for the call, sir. Hello, Roy. I listen to you most Sundays while I'm in my office doing paperwork. So you're yes. a Sunday worker, eh? Oh, I'm I'm a Sunday through Sunday worker. I own the business I'm at right now 100%. And 
and I'm an investor in another business that 80% of their sales, and it's aftermarket stuff for the auto industry, 80% of their sales are down in the States, and they're being courted to go to Montana. Companies been here for over 20 years, mm-hmm. and between the federal government thinking all us business owners are crooks. Yeah, they do. And our provincial government thinking that there doesn't have to be anybody out there supporting the government with taxes and taxing the heck out of us. That business is probably going to Montana with 40 employees. Now, what about you? Have you had opportunity? Have you been offered opportunities to move to the United States? I've been offered to sell out my other business to a firm out of the United States and move everything to it. And to give you an example, 10 years ago, we used to give a percentage of our profit to places like Heritage Park and the Children's Wish Foundation and so forth and so on. With what the feds have done in this new provincial government, the forty or 50000 we used to give away to charity has now went down to about five, 6000 because there's nothing left for us. Now, they'll say that you're the one who's I'm to blame, that you're, you're the crook. You're the one who's putting that money into your pocket because you've decided there's something nice that you want for yourself, and so you're doing it all for you and you're not doing it for your employees. That, I'm sure, is what the government's response is going to be. Oh, definitely. You, you listen so why do you stay? Why, why didn't you sell? Because I have 40 employees, and over half of them have worked for me for over 25 years. And I think I owe them something. I owe the government nothing, but I owe those people something because they helped me build my business. I hear this time and time and time again. In fact, I heard it from Jocelyn Bamford. I heard it from Jim Scott when I spoke with them off the air. Because this is where we live, because these people have worked for us for a long period of time. We're not going to abandon them, and we have responsibility to them. Thank you for the call, Dale. Staying in uh, Alberta and Calgary, here's Pascal. Hi, Pascal. Hey, Roy. How are you? First time caller. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you for calling. Yeah, so uh, the reason I'm calling, you know, I'm, I'm originally from France. My wife is from Poland, so we're not quite the typical immigrant setting up in Canada and, and making, uh, making a business for ourselves. But we, we did open a business a couple of years ago, a retail store, and uh, my wife, it was her first time, you know, dealing with opening a business. I've done it before. And she was amazed at how many obstacles the government put in our way, essentially, to open a business. So we felt like we really opened the business in spite of the government. You know, um, we were trying to open, and there were so many, so many things that we had to, so many hoops to jump through, so many things to get done, and there was absolutely no assistance whatsoever. Um, and we're, you know, we're, we're, we're a typical mom-and-pop shop, um, and every, every dollar counts for us. And it was very, very difficult. You really have to have the passion for the business. Um, otherwise, I think most people would just give up um, on essentially setting something up that will then pay taxes to the government. So <laughs> that's, that's basically my take here. So frustrating for you is not the sort of thing that you ran into in France. Uh, no, I, I mean, you know, to be honest, I don't have a lot of experience opening a business in France, but I know that it's, it's uh, definitely a lot, a lot easier. The government's more involved for sure. Uh, but, you know, the other thing is we deal with, with, with gaming and, and uh, board games and collectibles and things like that. And the story from the U.S., you know, uh, is, is very different in that there's so much support, 
you know, for stores like ours in the U.S., not only from distributors, but from the government, from, uh, you know, grants and, and a lot of things which may be, you know, anecdotal, but it, it really sounds like doing, you know, doing business in the U.S. is a lot easier. And I'm not sure, you know, um, what our government is doing because, you know, essentially, as I said, we're trying to set up shops so we can then hire people and pay taxes and those people pay their income tax and so on. So it seems like a good deal for the government, but somehow... Um, you know, that doesn't seem to be, uh, you know, something they... No, I hear you. I hear you. Pascal, thank you for the call. This is happening right across Canada because when we were speaking with uh, Dan Kelly from the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, at the time the minimum wage went up in the province of Ontario to $14. It's going up in Alberta. It's going up across the country. We heard from business owners who said they don't understand. They don't understand that $3 an hour is not just $3 an hour for my employees. It means, and it changes the business dynamic. And I received a few emails from people who were very much on the left side of the spectrum and said, and their point of view was, without ever addressing anything that my guests said or the caller said, they're lying. So I replied, what makes you say they're lying? What was it about what they said on the air that motivates you to send me an email to say that they were lying? Well, they were lying. So that's the end of the conversation. You know, there's no point to carry on. They made up their minds. Employer bad, government good. Without employers, government's not going to employ people. They don't have any money. The only money they have is from through taxes. And the only way they're going to get tax money is by people paying taxes. And the person who's on the receiving end of the most tax paying is the person who can least afford it. And the person who's running the business is, oh yeah, that's the person who can least afford it because they're building their business to create more employment. It really isn't that complicated, but if you talk to business owners across the country, you're gonna hear what we heard from my guests and you're gonna hear what you heard from my callers. When we come back, we're gonna talk to a Canadian human rights activist about Iran. Stay with us.